Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ, and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, welcome everyone. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad to see you guys. I'm glad to be here in this spot. Can I just say I'm glad to be in this spot? And uh, man, so for those of you who don't know, I had some surgery on my vocal cords uh, to repair a ruptured blood vessel. And I have been in the disabled, on the disabled list since March or the penalty box, depending on what sport it is you follow, and I'm, I'm just so glad to be here, and so we're honored to have you with us from wherever you are. You may be uh, viewing us right now on the West Campus. You may be here in, uh, streaming from a location. You may be listening podcasts, but uh, we're, we're honored to have you with us, and I am just uh, so glad to be here. You guys have no idea. So uh, I want to just admit on the front end, it's hard for a talker not to talk. And a doer not to do. How many of y'all identify with that in some fashion, right? Beth has had the most wonderful time over the last six weeks. And uh, it has been so good uh, to, to kind of get through all of that. And uh, I have a vocal coach that I'm working with, and they have been trying to slow the pitch count down. So I've been really wanting to be here and have been unable to be here. And um, it's been kind of a journey for me. And so um, it's hard to be told no. Anybody identify with that? And uh, it's, you kind of get to a space where you think you get past that and you don't ever uh, get past that. Uh, and I want to say this real quickly too, it's hard for me to miss Easter. And how many of you remember back in 2011, uh, when we were about to get into this space. How many of you were here were a part of that? And we missed Easter by two weekends. How many of you remember that? And it didn't kill us. And me being here, uh, not being here in Easter didn't kill us either. It killed me a little bit, but it didn't kill us uh, altogether. In fact, I want to honor the team. Can we honor the team who's been so good, done such a great job? And I want to tell you a little bit about Easter. Um, you, you curious to know how we did? And uh, in both locations, uh, both languages, all campuses, all in, all everywhere, here was our number for Easter. And uh, I want you to know, I, I told Pastor Trevor, I said, I've already told him, I said, I'm taking next Easter off. My, my absence seemed to benefit the team. So that's, that's kind of how that's going. But we're doing something a little unique. Uh, I got cleared uh, today for one service. So you guys are the guinea pigs. All right. And, uh, uh, and in fact, I want to show you my coach. Here's my coach. There she is. That's Michelle Brettel. She's putting your pastor back together. And that is her giving me a clearance to preach. Isn't that awesome? And she said, I could preach one. We're going to slow the pitch count down. So here's what we're doing actually today. Uh, I want to tell you real quick, we're going to, we are filming this uh, experience right now. We're going to show this experience at 1030 and at noon. And that's how we're going to go about it today. In fact, I'm excited about this because this is something I've wanted to do. And on occasion, as your senior pastor, I'd like to be able to talk to everybody all at the same time. And so on occasion, we're going to do this. Is that all right? I think it'd be really a cool thing. 
But uh, I showed you there the picture of Michelle. Michelle gave me some things she wanted you guys to know. So I want to tell you this. She said this. Number one, tell them it's okay for you to talk. You're not going to die. She said, you're going to sound raspy. Don't be self-conscious about it. We're working on it. Uh, You're not talking incorrectly. So I want everybody to know that. Here's a third thing. She said, I'm the coach. They're not. (laughs) How about that? Right? And uh, so we're going to just kind of work this through this together like we've been doing. So here's what I thought we would do. I think we saw a sign up there. We're going to do a team uh, go community of hope. All right. So I want everybody's hand in. We're going to do three, two, one, go COH. Ready? Three, two, one, go COH. Boom. All right. There we go. Michelle said she'd ask me later how that went. All right. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, would you be honored uh, in this space? Uh, I am so glad to be here. But we want to remember in this space, God, it's about you. It's completely about you. So you come and do what only you can do by the power of your spirit. And for those who are here trying to figure out faith, Lord, would you help us take the next right step? For those of us who are here and we just love you with all of our heart, would you be honored by the attentive way that we listen uh, to your word, speak to us, and that you would use a humble, broken servant to tell the greatest mystery and the greatest story ever told. Be honored by all of it, we pray, in this space. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and everyone said, amen. All right, so we're really excited this morning. We are kicking off a series, and we're calling the series Long Story Short. And uh, we're going to talk about, over the next six weeks, here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to let the Bible tell us about the Bible, okay? So let me see a show of hands. How many of y'all have a Bible? You have a Bible uh, on, how many of you have a Bible on your phone? How many of you have ever touched a Bible even once? That's great. That's awesome. I know a lot of times when I talk to some of my friends about uh, the Bible, they have one. They've never touched it. If they start to read by day eight, they quit. And so the Bible is an amazing thing, but the Bible can be confusing. How many of you would admit the Bible can be confusing? And so think with me about this for a moment. If you're taking notes, I want you to do this. Here's the thing I always think about when I I think about the Bible. Okay, the Bible, uh, in fact, even the word Bible means books. Uh, The word Bible means books, and it's a series of books, 66 books written over a period of 1,500 years. Scholars believe by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages. That's easy to get confusing, right? And yet, um, when I think about this, this is often what we, we do. And for those of us who are familiar with what we would observe as a Christian practice that we're observing, and now we come into a space like this, we sing uh, songs about the Lord, we sing songs to the Lord. Usually somebody gets up, opens this ancient text, this Bible, and reads from it, and we listen to it in various stages of faith where we are. Some of us are listening to it as the word of God, and so we're asking God by the power of his spirit to tell us something life-changing and life-giving, direction-giving in that. Some of us are approaching it from a little bit of a different angle. We're trying to navigate its importance in our lives. But here's what we normally do in an experience like this. The, the, the pastor or somebody will get up and they'll read from a text somewhere embedded within those 66 books. And oftentimes when we're doing that, we don't really understand where that text fits 
into the larger story of the Bible. Would you agree? And in this series, here's what we want to do. We want to change that. And so when we move forward on the other side of this series, here's what I'm hopeful of, that when we get onto the other side of this series, we will be able to, to when we read any text embedded within these 66 books, books, we will be able to, in our mind, connect it more to the overall themes within, the, in, within Scripture. And there are six themes, and this is what we're going to talk about over this series together. So if you're writing notes down, we're going to tell you the six major themes in Scripture. And with our goal, hope, and prayer, that as you are studying God's Word in the future, either by yourself or you're coming into this ancient practice that we're observing right now, and you open God's Word and we look at it, you can connect it to one of the themes that's going on. So that's what we're going to do over these weeks together. And because when I think about God's word and I think about how we would get into this, these are some of of the ideas that I want us to think about. First of all, I would say this, the Bible is telling a story, okay? So if you're writing notes down, you maybe want to just say that. Now, we want to honor. It's a true story. Uh, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying there. But it is telling a story. It's the story of humanity. It's the story of God and the connection of God with humanity. And here's the thing I want you to think about with me as we begin. It, It starts like a story. In fact, the opening verse of Scripture is this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Doesn't that sound like a beautiful opening line to a story? And in fact, it is. Now, there's a lot of beautiful lines out there, but this is a beautiful line. You think of stories starting once upon a time. In fact, I thought I would uh, test us a little bit, see how we're doing. Here's some great opening lines. See if you can tell what it is. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> now, you weren't as excited when I said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I just want to draw your attention to that. Who is that? Star Wars. Star Wars. Okay, here's, an, here's another one. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Tale of Two Cities. One person knew that. <laughs> Charles Dickens. All right, here's, here's one. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Narnia Chronicles, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. All right, here, one more, one more. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a good wife. <laughs> I am shocked. Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. I have lived my last 30 years in a sorority. I have large parts of that movie memorized. And you said that happened in every home. For shame, woman, for shame. Wow. That's right now going, you get to preach once. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Here's the thing I want us to know. The Bible, this is what I want you to know. The Bible's telling a story. And and this is what I think is beautiful about it. It's telling a story and why we can connect with it is because you and I live our lives like a story. We We don't live our lives like a mathematical equation or a science project. 
And a lot of times we can get bogged down. We read the opening lines of scripture and we want to debate and argue. Is it about science? Is it about creationism? Here's what I want us to do for a moment. I just want us to stop and just imagine this. The Bible is telling us a story. And we can all identify with it and we can all connect with that because we live and experience life like a story. One author I know says it this way, all of life is a story. Another author says this, life unfolds like a drama. Each day is a beginning and an end. There are all sorts of characters, all sorts of settings. A year goes by like a chapter from a novel, sometimes like a tragedy, sometimes like a comedy. Most of the time it feels like a soap opera. Can I get an amen? All of life is a story and we can connect so easily with the Bible because the Bible is telling us a story. I remember years ago, Bertrand Russell, who was a famous atheist of a century ago, uh, influenced a lot of people away from what we're doing right now. And I remember one time he was asked about the origins of humanity and all of that. And he said this, he said, if we could strip away all the mysteries of the universe and get to the heart of things, what we'd probably find there would be a mathematical equation. And I don't know about you. I don't experience life like that. I don't. It's not really a mathematical equation. It's not really a a science project. I know one author said it this way. In the end, science does not provide the answers to life that most of us really require. The story of our origins and our end is, to say the least, unsatisfactory. To the question, how did it begin? Science answers probably by an accident. To the question, how does it end? Science answers probably by an accident. And to many people, the accidental life is not worth living. I agree. The Bible's telling a story. We experience life as a story. And if the Bible is a story, I want you to know this. It's a biography. It's a biography about a person who is Jesus Christ. Now, if you were with us last week, And I just will tell you, as much as I was sad to not keep my reputation like 30 years preaching on Easter Sunday, I thought Trevor lit the room on fire last week. Man, were we proud of our other pastor? I was like, good gracious, I'll never get to preach again. And and here's what what Trevor told us. Trevor, Trevor said, all of life sits on the axis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, all of life orients, the Christian scriptures say, around the proximity and the focus of who Jesus Christ actually is. And our faith began even not so much as is defined in so many ways around this biography, not just even on the person, it's defined by an event called the resurrection. And so we need to understand that. And if that, if that is true, we need to understand that the Bible is telling a story and it's telling us a story. It's a biography about a person. In fact, this is why we've chosen this bizarre little scriptures or theme verse and commit, ask you to, to commit to memorize it. It comes in John chapter one, verse 45. Look at what the, they're saying here. We have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. What's this verse saying? What's John 
saying. All of scripture, all of it, orients around Jesus. Do you see that? The Bible is telling us a story. And the challenge becomes in this day and in this age to be the kind of people who are learning to hear it and learning to understand it. Now, here's what I want, here's where the challenge comes in a little bit. I was thinking about this message and I, I told the team, I said, I don't think we'll have any, any difficulty moving people into the space that the Bible's telling a story. Here's where it gets a little weird. The Bible's telling a story that we've dropped into the middle of. Right? And that's where it gets crazy. Uh, when I was growing up, I've shared before, my dad was uh, worked his whole career. You don't hear about this much any longer. He worked for Nabisco. So my brothers and I, we were very popular because of that. <laughs> so we always had cookies and crackers in our house and, and all of that. And I, I can remember in the summer, my dad would take us sometimes to work with him. And there was a time when my dad, this is very interesting, he was the account representative with Nabisco for all of the Publix Corporation. So uh, in Publix, uh, uh, which back in the day was only in Florida, my dad was the account rep between Nabisco and, and Publix. In fact, he knew George Jenkins when George would open a new store, the owner of Publix. George and my dad would bag groceries together at the new store. Isn't that amazing? And uh, so in the summer, uh, it was not uncommon for my dad to take us out on the road with him. And my dad, this is, I think it's impacted my ministry. My dad had this amazing ability to know people and know their stories. And we would, we would drive into stores and my dad would, would know the manager and he'd know the son and he'd ask about the ball game. We'd go to another store and he'd, he'd know the assistant manager in the meat department and he would ask about their daughter's broken arm. And he just had this amazing ability. And I can remember as a young boy watching my dad, all of this, and he was able to connect all these stories together. I feel like I've learned to do that in many ways for my father. But when we would drive along sometimes and, and listen to the news, there was a guy that we would listen to. I'm going to say his name. You're going to know his name immediately. Many in the room. And the guy's name was Paul Harvey. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? Look at that. All right. And Paul had this ability to tell, he would tell the news in a 15-minute spot, went all over the nation. And at the end of the, at, at the, end of the news, he would tell this uplifting story. And he would go into this story, and I just remember listening to this as a young boy. I was thinking about this. It's had impact upon me probably as a preacher and as a storyteller. And he would get to the end of the story. It always had a twist. And he had that customary line. You know what he would say. And now you know the rest of the story. This is what's hard about what we're talking about right now. Because the Bible's telling us a story. The Bible is telling a story, but it's a story like we've almost like we've dropped into the middle of the story. And we, we don't really, we can't really orient the, where, where it began necessarily. We don't know necessarily how it's going to end. We don't understand our role in this story. There's some confusion in and all around sort of this thing. We've just kind of dropped into the middle of it. I was thinking about this when, um, when after the surgery, I couldn't speak at all. For like a week. And the surgery, some of you know, uh, the surgery got moved. It was at a later time after Easter. 
uh, the surgeon finally said, I don't think you're going to make it to Easter. He said, we should do it before Easter. And this is what made me mad. I said, only if you promise I can preach on Easter. And he said, sure. <laughs> Write that down. So we did the surgery, and so we, we, we didn't know the surgery was going to happen as fast as it did, and Beth and I had made arrangements to fly and see Shelly and Eric, our, our younger daughter, and her new husband in New Jersey. Beth had been there. I had not been there yet. So then they moved the surgery date, and we had surgery, and I couldn't speak, and we flew to New Jersey. Yeah, so three days in New Jersey, I couldn't speak. It was awkward as everybody thinks it is right now. It was every bit that awkward. And so we, we flew, we flew in a Newark airport. In fact, I want, uh, and, 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 um, you know, we went to see her. In fact, I want to show you, here's a, here's a picture. I think this is where my daughter lives. What on earth has happened in my life? <laughs> There's where she lives. Here she is with her mom. If you come out of their uh, apartment and you look, that, that is the New York city skyline directly across the street from where my daughter lives. To Beth's right is the Statue of Liberty. I mean, like right there. So, so we fly into Newark, and, and I've never been to Newark Airport before. Have you? Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I was imme- we were immediately in this other world. We're lost, and I can't talk. And it got so awkward at one point, I thought my wife, you know, you've ever seen in the airport these kids that they have their kids on a leash? <laughs> we, we were like right on that line <laughs> to get through that. And it was weird because we were orienting around all this stuff. We had no idea really what was going on. And here's the interesting thing about that. This is sometimes what we think about in the story. Now, here's what I have say. If the Bible's telling a story that we've dropped into the middle of, how do we begin to make sense of it? We start, like Julie Andrews said, at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Right? And the Bible starts with creation. And creation is the first movement of the six we're going to give you. So all I want to do for just a few moments now is have us think about Creation as the first movement. And the interesting thing about uh, creation is that this is the first movement in the story of God and humanity. We see it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the only thing I want all of us to know and remember about creation is simply this. It started good. Say it with me. It started good. That's all I want us to know. The first movement that we're thinking about in these six grand movements of Scripture, the first one is creation. And here's what I want us to know. Creation is the first movement. It started good. The opening pages of the Bible display the wonder and the beauty and the power of God's creative handiwork on display and rather than see it as we normally do as a battle between science and creationism, young earth and old earth theory, all I want us to do for a moment is stop and consider this. God created, and he created good. Now, the reason I want us to think about that and the reason uh, I want us to know that 
is that you see it in all of creation. Now, here's the interesting thing, and you can write this down if you want to, because I'm just gonna, I just want to take for a moment and slice on the theme good. If you read Genesis 1 and you read Genesis 2, they're, they're in some ways complementary but different stories of creation. And the overall theme in both of those narratives, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, is that God created and he created good. In Genesis 1, what you see is you see the six different movements. Day one, he created light. He looked at it and said it was good. Day two, he created sky and land. Uh, uh, sky, and he, and he said it is good. Day three, he created land, stars, sun, and moon, and he said it's good. Then he created fish and birds. He said it is good. Then he created animals and humanity, and he said it is good. So if you're going to understand the scripture and if you're going to get to the place where wherever you are navigating in God's holy word, whatever you're looking for to understand, we have to understand it in light of the, the whole. And the first thing I want us to know simply is this, our God has created and he has created good. It just, it started good. And when I look at that and I notice what's going on, I notice, uh, I think, uh, in my own mind and heart, I notice a context of how we can understand better that God has created good. Uh, not only does it just say good over and over and over and over again, that would be, that would be reason enough, but, but I want to I give you something else to think about as we build together. And what I'm doing is laying some track so we're going we're gonna to ride on this track a little bit. So I noticed some other things too. I noticed, first of all, interestingly, God created good in relationships. And I want you to notice this. You can miss it if you're not careful. Look at, look at Genesis 1, I think it's verse 26. Let us make mankind in our image. If that verse goes on, in our likeness. So this is, this is God, watch this, working in community as a God. It's a hard concept. I just want to float. I'm not inviting everyone to believe this yet. Some of us already believe it. Some of us are navigating. I think it's an important point. Let us make mankind in our image. This is the, a reference to the Trinity. If you're in church for any length of time, there used to be a hymn that we would sing. We occasionally sing it in here. It's called Holy, Holy, Holy. How many remember that hymn? Holy, Holy, Holy. I won't sing it. She said, don't sing. <laughs> holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, my song will rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. We had it in our wedding. It's a reference to the Trinity. This is, this is God showing good uh, in relationship. If you go over to Genesis chapter 2, here's an interesting thing I want to I build on. The only thing in the second uh, creation account that God says is not good, the only reference to not good is relationship. Watch this. 
The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. Amen. I'll make a helper suitable. And what we understand right there, watch this, you guys. God uses some, uh, the, the author uses some unique language. And in surveying all of the created order so far, the story says that God looked down and he saw that, he can't, that there's not a helper suitable for man. And all that's been created, so he created woman. And, and the language there, it's kind of interesting, kind of mysterious. It, the language communicates this, alike, similar, but different. Similar, amen. <laughs> similar, but different. Now, this is awkward, but I want to tell you, then, then, then man starts naming all the animals. He sees woman, they're naked in the, and felt no shame. This is the story. He looks at her and he says, whoa, man. Come on now. Come on, I've been preaching for a while. Give me a break. That's the oldest preacher joke in humanity right there. There it is. But here's, here's literally what's going on. I don't want you to miss it. It's alike, but it's different. Really important to know that. And it's the only time, only time in creation. He says it's not good. So God created, God created good. He created good in relationships. And, and, and I love this. He created good in purpose. Genesis 1, 26, look at the second half of it. And so in our likeness, they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, the wild animals, over all the creatures, creatures that move along the ground. So humankind was given a job. Good in purpose. How did it start? Pastor started good. Reference of great relationships, reference to great purpose. I've been learning about purpose. It's interesting when you are forced to take a break, what you can learn. Interesting how we wire up in our minds what our, how we contribute. And then we learn how God wants you to contribute in another way. And how you find the measure of your worth in your creator <laughs> and not what you do. Some lessons. God has created us with purpose. It started good. When I look at that and I remember that it started good, it reminds me that these are the two very things right now in our culture that are so jacked up. We're horrible at relationships. We're bruising people every day all over the place. Our world is broken. 
And sometimes people no longer connect with God because they look at that and they go, look at what God created. And what we want to be able to say is this, he didn't create that. He started good. And sometimes it reminds us that where our relationships are broken, that could they be restored again? Yeah, maybe. Sometimes when we're not really connecting with our purpose and we're understanding our meaning, we're watching record numbers of people right now in our culture, they have no understanding any longer about what it means to have purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life. I mean, is that gone? Is it over? It doesn't have to be gone and over. Why? Because it started good. I noticed, too, it's also good and rest. That's been a big one for me. It's interesting how the Lord says it, right? By the seventh day, God had finished his work in Genesis 2, the work he'd been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because he rested from the work, all that he had done. Something happens when we step back. I'm going to be telling you some things about that. But here's what I want you to know right now. God created, and God created good. But there's a story he's telling, and we've dropped into the middle of it. In closing, one author puts it this way. The Christian story is an epic, something hidden in the ancient past, something dangerous now unfolding, something waiting in the future for us to discover, and some crucial role for all of us to play. Christianity in its truest form tells us that there is an author and that he is good, the very essence of all that is good and beautiful and true, for he is the very source of all these things. It tells us that he has set our hearts longings within us, for he has made us to live in this story. He warns us, as we'll see next week, the truth is always in danger of being twisted and corrupted and stolen from us. Because there is a villain in the story set on destroying us. But he calls us up into this story and assures us that there and only there will we find the truest meaning in our lives. And the only way we get there is to remember that God is created. And he created. Say it with me. Good. Lord, would you use this space? Would you begin to reformat the hard drives of our minds and of our hearts so that we may better understand your story and where we fit into it? In the name of Christ, amen. God has created, and it's good. Lord, I speak that word over your people. Regardless of what they may have heard, what they may have experienced, wherever, whatever force it is that would try to convince us otherwise, Lord, let us begin at the beginning. Let us see that you're a creator and you have created good. This we pray in the name of Christ. Everyone said, Amen. Go in his peace. See you next weekend.